we're doing a series right now called Devoted from Acts 2.42. In Acts 2.42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So a couple weeks ago, Jason talked to us about the apostles' teaching and how we've been empowered and enabled through God's word. And God's word wasn't given to us to restrict us, but to free our hearts. Um, through the apostles' teaching, and then David last week, um, fellowship, the fellowship with God and fellowship with each other, all right? We're supposed to have fellowship with that, and we should be the kind of people who are so generous, so quick to celebrate, that when people encounter us, they're like, yeah, 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 oh, they're Jesus people, that makes sense. Of course they're Jesus people. They're so kind, they're so welcoming, they're so wonderful. Um, That's who we should be with each other and with the people in our neighborhoods, with each other here on Sundays, and with people at the grocery store, Um, It's really important. And so today we're talking about the breaking of bread. Um, And we're going to read an account from Matthew 26. Matthew 26, 26 is where I'm going to read. You can turn there if you like to see the words. I made no slides today, which is not like me. I'm a a disciple of Doc West. I have confessed that before. But it's the summertime, so sorry. (laughs) Matthew 26, 26. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. He took a cup of wine, gave thanks to God for it, gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it. This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you, in my Father's kingdom. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. So there we go. Communion is what we call it. Um, a tradition, the Last Supper is what biblical tradition calls that. Um, and it's been a lot of things over the course of human history. And we are going to start with where Jesus started with. So a lot of different theories about what communion is, right? I grew up Catholic and very grateful for my Catholic roots. Catholics have a word attached to communion called transubstantiation, which just means like whatever like thing they're eating and thing you're drinking um, becomes Jesus's blood and becomes Jesus's body through a process in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that tradition, I would just say it just says it in the Bible. So I don't know. It just says it. It says, this is my body, and this is my blood. And Catholics believe you can keep doing that through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Great. Other people think it's a spiritual um, ritual that's an example, more of a, spirit, a physical reminder like baptism of a spiritual reality. And I think that's very valid. Um, and what we're not going to do today is care about who's right or who's wrong, Okay. We're not going to debate it. I don't have slides about these different stances and the historical tradition of the church. We've been arguing about it for centuries. We're not going to settle it today. And sometimes, sometimes, church, when we argue about theology, we miss the point. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to miss the point. But it could be a fun conversation to have over some bread and some wine with some of your friends. I don't know. Um, So that's what, I just want you to know that, recognize it's a very complicated what are we actually doing, and we're going to engage communion today, the breaking of bread, um, in in this way. We're going to start where Jesus started, and in the verse it says, when he says he took the wine, he said, and he gave thanks. So we're going to start there. So we are participating today. There are little cards or little books and pens 
everywhere. Everyone has access to one. Some of you bring your own journal and you take notes and you're ready for it. Some of you are like, I don't know why I'm here. I got invited by a friend. I wasn't, I'm not here for class. That's okay. We are going to be writing things down. So I would love for everybody to look around. In front of you, there's some cards. If you don't have one, turn around. There's some behind you. If you have something to write with, if you don't have a pen, we can throw them at each other because they are there. They are dispersed among you in a way that you should have access to it. Now, I need to know, if you're ignoring me right now, you're going to have to do that three, two more times. We're going to engage with writing stuff down two more times, so you can pretend like you didn't hear me this time. I need you to be prepared to do that two more times, okay? We are going to write stuff down, have an experience together as a church family. So you, as, long, as many times as you want to pretend like you didn't hear me say, write something down, that's, that's on you. I'm telling you, you're going to have to do it multiple times. Challenge by choice, and I think this is one you can do. Um, so what I want you to do is I want you to, I'm going to get my little list here. I want you just to write down. You don't have to put your name on it. We're not grading these papers. It's fine. I want you just to write down two things that you're thankful for, but it has to be right now. For example, I am currently thankful for these sandals that I got at the Ark. And let's see, I love, I love the new like, chapstick I got from this lady at Queen of the Meadow. Okay, that's it. So go ahead and write them down. They don't have to be deep. They don't have to be profound. They just have to be from right now. Two things. Scribble, 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 scribble. Okay. Now here's where we're going to get really crazy. I want you to tell someone next to you something you wrote down. I know, I know. This is church. Just tell someone. Just lean over and say, what's one thing you wrote down? Just share it. Share something that you wrote down with someone next to you. So if you're still ignoring me that the writing thing, keep going. Just write something down. Good job, good job. The risk of asking people to talk in church is that they never stop talking. And I'm willing to take that risk. I'm here for that risk. I'm taking that risk. Did anybody hear something that they think the whole group should hear? Just something particularly delightful or something you're like, I'm thankful for that too. Or something that just made you laugh out loud because it took the absurdity suggestion to heart. Any, any good ones that we heard other people say? Air conditioning. I'm glad we finally need our air conditioning. Thank goodness. Any, what else? A few more, a few more. Hmm? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be one you wrote. It could be one you heard to someone else write. So you're not saying your thing. You're saying their thing. It's always better that way. I'll just wait till we have a couple more. I'm, what was that? Medical insurance. Amen. That's a good one. I heard uh, my O2 sensor went off on my, ra on my forerunner down here, particularly fond of that. Anything else? One more. Coffee. Who said it? Fresh coffee? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Good job. Hey, A plus. A plus, team. We did it. All right. We're coming back to this. Don't lose it. We're going to keep doing it. Okay. Giving thanks. Jesus gave thanks. It says he broke the, he took the cup of wine and he gave thanks and he gave it to them. It's the same word that Jesus says before he feeds the 5,000. He goes, he took the lunch from the boy, he gave thanks for it, multiplied it out. That word is eucharisteo, which I'm sure is not how you say it. Eucharisteo. 
giving thanks, the, not the root of that word is charis. All right, people who know about English, oh, Heidi, hi, sorry. <laughs> the root of that word is charis, which means God's grace, his beautiful graces. That's the root of that word. The derivative, no idea what that means, but people who know what they're talking about, the derivative of charis is kara, which means joy. So we have this word, eucharisteo, means giving thanks, and you take the root of that, and it's graces, beautiful, God's beautiful graces, and the derivative, someone who knows what that means can tell me after the service, is kara, which means joy. When we give thanks for God's graces in our life, it leads to joy. That is what Jesus is doing. Um, I learned that because a woman named Ann Voskamp wrote a book about it like 15 years ago. And when I was living in with my friend Matt, uh, someone gave me the book and I started reading it. And I was, I was grumpy, I would say, at best in my soul. I'm a seven on the Enneagram, so it doesn't present as grumpy very often. But I was grumpy in my soul. And I was standing, I was sitting in the apartment, I was looking at my refrigerator that was covered with Christmas cards, and I was uh, knocking on 30's door and was uh, still waiting for the Lord to answer my request for a husband, and I just was angry. I'm like, ooh, cute, Christmas card. Oh, look, your kids got older. Oh, sweet, you went on that fun trip with that guy who loves you unconditionally forever. Cool. Love that. Tell me more about all the pets you have. I can't take care of an animal. I'm never home. Like, all of these things. And I was like, what would my, oh, because I can send a Christmas card, but what would be like me again in a new outfit <laughs> next year? <laughs> I was grumpy. I started doing this book. It was, it was her, her charge is make a list of a thousand gifts. The book's called A Thousand Gifts. Make a list of a thousand things you're thankful for. And so I did some quick math and I'm like, I have 50 days of summer. I'll do 20 a day. I'll hit a thousand. No problem. Um, and I just started sat down and I was like, okay, so if I just said go 20 now, some of you would rattle them off. Some of you would pretend to not have heard me again. And you'd be like, I don't know. I can't. You have to send me the questions ahead of time, teacher. Okay. I'm an internal processor. All right. Now everyone can elbow the person next to you who is that. Or be like, yes. Okay. By Wednesday, I could think of that. If I had four days to process and I could internally reflect and I don't have to talk to anyone for those four days, then I could answer your question. That's not me, <laughs> but I know people like that. Um, so <laughs> this is my husband in the front row. <laughs> so I started doing it, but what I started to notice was I was judging myself for, I, I first thought they had to be good things. I was judging my list. Well, that doesn't count. But you guys, I really loved shredded cheese. Like, I really was thankful for shredded cheese. I was like, ah, shredded cheese is delicious, okay? Is that good enough for the list? Yes, it was good enough for the list. All of these little things. And what I started to notice after about a week is that I was paying attention more because I knew I had to do my assignment at night, and I wanted to get my homework done fast because I'm a firstborn perfectionist. <laughs> and so I just started paying attention. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I forgot I was thankful for, like, sunlight. Oh, my gosh, I am. I love it. I'm so thankful when there's, like, oh, there's, like, a time to walk through the park. Or I love this song. I forgot I love this song. I started paying attention because I had an assignment, um, and I started just thinking. It started to change me from the inside out. It's one of those transformations that you can only really see fully when you look back on it over the course of like 18 months, and then all of a sudden, I'm a different person. Something is different about my chemistry of my brain and the state of my resting heart rate is not grumpy anymore. Um, and so you know what that does is when your presenting is not grumpy, but you are grumpy, that's called dissonance. And I just realized, oh, I'm not spending as much energy managing that dissonance. I actually am just okay. 
Um, and things were so hard, and things weren't easy, and nothing was, things weren't perfect, but I just, something was changing inside of me. So when we look at communion, we look at Jesus here, he's giving thanks. He's giving thanks for God's graces, and it will lead to joy. It's the way God made us. We can look at communion in several different ways. We've already touched on one, flesh and blood, transubstantiation. Impress your friends with that word over lunch. It's like, whoa, that's fine. Why do they do it? Because it's in the text. I don't know. Um, it's a spiritual ritual um, that we're going to engage in. We have the plastic cups with the plastic cracker and the shot of juice in your things. We're going to do that later. It's going to be great. My cracker wasn't chewy. It was more of a, it was chewy, not really crunchy, but I don't care. Um, and then one of the lines it said, he says, I will not, he says, mark my words. I will not partake of this again until I get to do it with you in the new kingdom. Like when he's like, it's not a, he's like, what, I'm not going to drink wine. I'm going like some kind of alcohol fast until like the second coming. No, it means what we're doing here, doing by myself is pointless because this is about us. I don't want to party without you. I don't want to party without you. It's actually not a party without you. It's not worth celebrating. I want to celebrate with you, and it's not a party if you're not there, and we're all not going to be together again for a while. So I'm just not going to do it till we can all be together again. And it is specifically communion, breaking of bread, this process is for Jesus folks. So that is also pretty true, uh, clear in the scriptures. Like this is a Jesus folks thing. It matters. It's weighty. Um, it's not something to just rush into or to say like, hey, yeah, it's fine. But it's also, um, Dale Bruner is a theologian that I like to learn under. And he says, a cheap come y'all to communion without repentance is short selling people. So we are kind of all deciding, we've all decided uh, to some level, maybe you haven't, but if you have decided like I am doing this Jesus thing, you have surrendered your life. He has not, you, you haven't had to earn this forgiveness that he gave you, but when you, when you accept it, there is something required of you. And it's required of you because he wants you to be whole and, and healed. So that is that he's made it a process for our benefit. So we have to know that too. Those are some things about communion. And one of the things that I really appreciated learning about communion this, as prepping for this was the, the combination of words and touch. So Jesus is very physical the word became flesh, put on a body, but also there is a spiritual forgiveness that is happening. So there is a word, Jesus is the word of God, the word of God, and he's at this last supper with the bread, word, and breaks the bread. He's like, this is coming, word and touch, physical and spiritual, food and drink, spiritual forgiveness, they are together. Um, it's a sacrament. A sacrament is something that God gives to the people. He gives us this sacrament of communion that he gives it to us. We don't do communion for God. We don't do communion for Jesus. The sacrament was given to us by God so that we could experience and know and remind ourselves of the forgiveness that was given to us by him. We can't earn forgiveness. We don't do communion. But what do people do? Sacraments are from God. People do sacrifices. Okay, they do sacrifices. So that's the difference there. So we have the word and bread. We have this sacrament that's been given to us. So we have the Last Supper. Jesus is the living word, breaks the bread. There's another place, the Emmaus Road. Jesus talks to his friends as they're walking and talks about the entirety of the scriptures, unpacks the entirety of the scriptures. And then they get to their house and they break the bread. He's gone. Word and bread. 
And there's also a place at uh, the end of John where they're fishing. And Jesus is like, did you catch any fish? No. They jump in. It's the Lord. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. He reinstates them. Gives them a commission. His words, Jesus, the word, gives them words. And then they have food. They have breakfast on the beach. The word and bread. The word and food. That is what's happening in communion. This sacrament given by God. We can't give forgiveness to ourselves or to others that we haven't received. God gives us communion to remember the forgiveness that he has given us. It has come from God. But Jesus, as he is giving the sacrament as God to his people, also offers a sacrifice. The next day it would be himself. But at this dinner, at this supper, it is his thanksgiving. He gives a sacrifice of thanks And we can read more about what a sacrifice of thanks is in Psalm 50. So I'm going to read Psalm 50 to you, starting in verse 7. Oh, my people, listen as I speak. Here are my charges against you. I am God, your God. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer. But I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. For all the animals of the forest are mine. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat the meat of your bowls? Do I drink the blood of your goats? No, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory." This is one of many places we can hear about the Lord wanting our hearts, our gratitude, not our things. The sacraments he gave us, the sacrifices he's offering, he's like, do these things so that you remember who to be on the inside. Do these things on the outside so you can remember who I want you to be on the inside. And that is one of the things that communion does for us. So get out your lists. Here we go. Time to engage the list again. Anybody, anybody who didn't do it the first time but now wants a pen? Don't be ashamed. Okay, I'm ready. Throw some. Okay, so now I'm going to give you a prompt. So if I said write down 20 things you're grateful for, that could be okay. But what we're going to do is I'm going to give you some prompts. So I want you to write one thing based on each of the prompts I'm about to give. Some of you who can write, write a little slower than others, it might, be, it might feel rapid fire. That's okay. We're just trying to start something here. So the next thing, I want you to continue on your list. What is one thing you're grateful for about Sundays? I'm doing it too, just so you know. What's something you're thankful for about summertime? Fall. Winter. Springtime. Think about the best meal you've had recently. What's something you're thankful you get to eat? Is there a song you've been loving? A band that you love? Anybody at the George Strait concert last night? No? Good. 
What's some music you're thankful for? Think about a person you love. Write down their name. Think about a trip you've taken. Are you thankful for a place outside that you go with other people? Write it down. Maybe there's a place you go by yourself. Write that down. Some of us have plants we like. Maybe write down a plant. That's, I, that's plants. I would write down plants. I don't know plants, but maybe you know plants. You have a favorite plant. A pet. Current or former pet that you're thankful for. What are you thankful for about mornings? What about the darkness of a beautiful night sky? What are you thankful for about that? Good job. Thanks for writing. Your neural pathways are wired that the same pathway that fires in your brain when you're worried or anxious about something is the same pathway that gratitude travels on. They are the same. Which means you cannot be simultaneously anxious and thankful. Now, you can switch back and forth very quickly. So multitasking is a lie. and All the neuroscientists know that. It's not, there's no, you cannot actually ever do two things at one time, but you can switch back and forth, or not as fast, depending on how you're wired. (laughs) You cannot. So the God who made our brains, the God who set those pathways, it makes sense to me that Paul wrote in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and then the peace of Christ will guard your heart and your minds. So maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's something to the reality that anxiety wants to have soul custody over that pathway, and it is our responsibility to take God's word to heart and be not anxious about anything, but in everything with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Eucharisteo, giving thanks for God's graces in my life because that can lead to joy. Nothing is too small to be thankful for, and it's not something that you're going to wake up doing. It's a skill we must cultivate. The word is clear, and science is always catching up with God's word, always just catching up and highlighting, like, oh, it's always been there. It's always been there. And I'm not saying that just writing down things you're thankful for about a nice breakfast burrito means you shouldn't need any kind of medical intervention, all right? Anxiety and depression is real, it's chemical, and I'm not saying you're not grateful enough, so get off your meds. Do not hear me say that because I don't believe that. But I do wonder if we have some ground we could take through the discipline of gratitude as Jesus models to us 
that exact practice. Because in um, Acts 2.46, it says this, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They were a we. They were a we. We are currently on June 25th, sandwiched in between two freedom celebrations. So last Monday was Juneteenth. Juneteenth is a day that marks the, the reality that the last of the slaved folks in our country heard about the Emancipation Proclamation. On January 1st, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect that all people were freed. It wasn't until June 19th of 1865 Two and a half years later, that the last of the enslaved folks in Texas heard about it. There was 2,000 troops that brought the news to Galveston and announced June 19th, hey, you're free. They didn't know. And now it marks this reality. And what's so beautiful about this is that it marks, you know what? We're not free until we're all free. We are not free until we're all free. Like, yeah, maybe I'm free. But they don't know yet. We're not free till we're all free. It's such a beautiful gospel reality. Juneteenth. And we're coming up on July 4th. I was born on the 4th of July, turns out. And it is as awesome as it sounds. There is nothing bad about being born on the 4th of July. There is, this is the only, if you're oh, sharing your birthday or the holiday, have kids on July 4th, okay? If you have to have one of those weird decisions like C-section today or tomorrow, July 4th always is your answer. Whatever day gets me to July 4th, I went, that reality. Just hold it, hurry it up. It's amazing. But the reality is, there was a group of people who lived in another continent, and they wanted more, and they were desperate for it, so they risked their lives and moved across an unknown ocean for themselves, but also for their future. They said, I don't want this for my kids. I don't want this for me. So I'm going to go, and we're going to try something different. And then that we decided we need to change some things so that those who come after us have a different reality than we tasted. Juneteenth, July 4th. Now, do we have a complicated situation going on with all of these things? Yes, very complicated. There's a lot of nuances. But the reality is there were people who were a we. You do not. 2,000 troops went to Galveston. Not just one dude with a little scroll. Not just one, 2,000. We. One person was not going to start, end, or, or, or finish the Revolutionary War. There's a lot of other freedom fights that we're fighting. None of them will happen if they don't become a we. And that is what the gospel of Jesus, that's how we can see the gospel, the goodness of God, refracted in these things. So, our freedom... And our forgiveness, like the reality of you feeling forgiven cannot happen in isolation. You feeling forgiven and experiencing forgiveness cannot happen on your own. Our freedom, our forgiveness are so wrapped up in each other, in our relationships with each other, in our relationships with the Trinity, in our relationships with the earth we inhabit. They are connected. The scriptures scream about it. If you don't talk about me, what, who will? The rocks, the trees, they will clap, the birds. Like, we are all connected. Our relationship with each other, with the earth we inhabit, and our God are wrapped up in each other. And this sacrament of communion to remember that we are a we is so important for that. 
in this breaking of the bread, the Last Supper, which can I just say for a moment, anybody else here call Supper Supper still? Okay, thank you. I'm from Kansas. I came here. I said supper. People made fun of me. And then when I called a fancy lunch dinner, they're like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing's wrong with me. The Bible says it. But all y'all are like, no, it's a dinner. <sighs> it's fine. I'm not going to argue because we'll miss the point. I'm just saying it says last supper in the Bible. Um, it's not the last dinner. <sighs> Back to the notes. Surprisingly, that's not in my notes. So... <laughs> Paul says, you must examine yourself before you take communion. And I know it can be easy to read that and be like, yes, I, have to, I need to be really clear about everything I've done wrong and how am I failing it and how am I botching it. And maybe the Spirit needs you to own up to some of that stuff. But today, today we're going to examine ourselves and we're going to examine ourselves through the lens of thankfulness, through the lens of gratitude. How do I need to engage with gratitude? Let's examine ourselves and how we are thankful for it. Dale Bruner says, in giving us a sacrament of communion, of just like breaking bread, because it says they were doing the Lord's Supper in everybody's homes all the time. He, he, says, he says this, he says, he has made, Jesus here is making for God's forgiveness a movable feast. Da, 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 da. You can just do it anywhere, anywhere God's people are with bread and the word, there it is. There's nothing more missionary than food. And so connected to our physicality and our spirituality. Jesus is all we need, and we have to remember that. So, we break bread, yes, to remember the death, the resurrection, the Last Supper, all of those things. But this is where we can distinguish um, biblical gratitude from just naive and toxic positivity. Okay? There are different. Oh, I'm super happy, and I see the silver lining. Like, no, you're like the worst person to be around, right? Like, I, like the people are like, well, at least. Hmm. Or... And I used, this is me, this is me at 24, so I've forgiven myself. But this is what we try to do. We're like, oh, we, my gratitude can't affect you. Like, I can't give you my gratitude, and my, my gratitude can't be yours. My gratitude won't rewire your neural pathways. So me coming in and trying to be thankful for your circumstances doesn't work. Well, I got a flat tire. Well, at least you have a car. I mean, 99% of the world doesn't have a car, so I mean, that's great, right? Oh, oh privilege. <laughs> Maybe your kid is struggling. And someone's like, well, at least you have children. And I, Brene Brown, I think, has done a lot of work on this, this whole at leasting thing. She has no more data. But you, can, you don't need data to know how that feels, to have your circumstances be minimized, and then you're supposed to feel bad because you weren't as positive as they were. Um, that's not biblical gratitude. That's not what we're talking about here because I have to find it. I'm sitting at the refrigerator looking at my Christmas cards. I can't have someone else tell me, well, at least it's making you into the woman you want to be. And I'm like, I have to believe that. I think it did, okay? I think it did. But that's because I had to learn how to be thankful to be holding a stuffed gorilla after a hard day, wishing it was alive, and a man, <laughs> I don't really want to make, the gorilla thing would have been hard to maintain, <laughs> but I was aching for comfort. I got this gorilla because it had a long arm so I could wrap it around me because I was desperate to be held and to know the, 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 like, the embrace of my Savior because I didn't have anything else. 
to be left alone long enough that I, it was not my first choice, it was not my second choice, it was not my third choice, it was in desperation only through brokenness that I leaned into the arms of a loving father and let the spirit and just let her wrap me up because I didn't know what else to do. Like that is where I found my gratitude for my season. That is mine. And that did not come without a lot of tears and pain and a lot of helping my friends reframe how my experience was. And knowing they'll never understand. All of us have that thing that no one else will ever understand. There are some things that only you and your heavenly father will ever truly know what it's cost you to still show up in that room. Or to still be at that table. There's, there's just some things no one can know. And those are the places of gratitude. Because you see, Jesus was thankful at the last supper. Which means what? Last one. Why? Dying tomorrow. Getting ready to be murdered. So if we're like, yeah, God says... Have an attitude of gratitude. Yeah, Jesus had it the night before he was murdered. So don't whitewash this gratitude thing unless it is biblically based because Jesus was thankful for and through his suffering. So I can be thankful for shredded cheese because I've been thankful that Jesus crucified my own right to myself and the restraint I had to exercise to not be married till I was 32 years old. Blech. And we all have a sentence we could fill that in with. I get to say mine because I have the microphone. But what's your sentence? What's your thing? What's the thing that you have found gratitude for and through? Can you thank it? Can you see it? Can you at least be thankful that someday you will? I'm thankful that someday I'll be thankful for this, but right now I got nothing. But I see you, Jesus. I see you giving thanks for God's grace in your life. So I'm not thankful for this, but I will find something else. I will discipline myself to find joy so that my life can be marked by peace because I have learned how to be grateful just like you did in the last summer for and through our suffering. So we're going to write down. We are going to do communion. We are going to examine ourselves like the scriptures require. And the examination is on our level of thankfulness. Can we today, as a we, offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to our God for the little absurd things that, gosh, if you miss those, you're missing your life. If you can't see the little things in your life that are worth being thankful for, you're missing your life. You gotta. You gotta be able to be thankful for that. Oh, my goodness. But can we also see for and through our suffering? We are going to remember him. And Luke, Paul and Luke say that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's remember Jesus, not just as the one who died for us, not just as the one who rose again, but the one who has walked with us through every hard and wonderful day along the way. That is the heart that can come to communion. That's the heart that makes they a we as we do that. So we're going to spend some time. So I would love for you to consider thanking God for how he has been your only friend when you felt like loneliness would suffocate you. Thanking Jesus when we've been walking through moments of grief so intense that we were barely living minute to minute. Maybe thanking Jesus for who he was in your apathy that threatened to numb you out of every real relationship that ever mattered to you. Maybe thank him for who he was in your anger that wanted to blame everything around you but knew the only person to blame was yourself. Can we thank him for the loss? Can we thank him for the betrayal? For the delay? 
for the unanswered. And for the beautiful, the simple, the miraculous, the holy, because it's both. Because in those moments, that's the, the, the lie, the great lie is that you can numb one side of the emotional spectrum without numbing the other. I'm going to numb myself to pain, and you also numb yourself to joy. So the fullness with which you can suffer is the fullness with which you can laugh. And I've tasted it. I wouldn't tell you it if I didn't think it was true. I've tasted it. To sob and to laugh, to belly laugh while your still face is still wet with tears to risk enough to live that way, to take those risks, to be thankful, and it starts with gratitude. So list the characteristics of God you can't live without. Think about those moments. Who's ever faced, whatever moment, whatever part of your story popped into your head, write a list. And when you're ready, worship is going to be playing. Take the tiny shot glass and the, the chewy cracker <laughs> and do this in remembrance of the one who holds you in all of the things, in your whole list. So as our worship team comes up, I want us to start writing. I want you to write or log in your mind the things that you can give thanks for God's grace in your life, knowing that that will lead you to joy. And we will give thanks through and for our suffering because we are not free until we're all free. So let's be free today, church. So Jesus, thank you for time to do this. Thank you for Sunday mornings that we set aside to gather with other people trying to do this weird Jesus thing. Thank you for the talented people that lead us in spaces of music and contemplation. Thank you for this building that reflects beauty just by existing. Thank you for the thousands upon thousands of people who have sat in these very places before us doing this very same thing. So would you teach us how to be thankful? Would you call us all into the next practical step of how to give thanks for the grace in our life that can lead us to joy. We love you, Jesus, and we are going to do this in remembrance of you. Amen.